Well, you can stay uh, standing if you would, please. Um, Christy, will you join me? Um, I, want, I, want to, I want you to see, I, I, I hate promotion and those kind of things that we have to do in here sometimes. I know um, this is different than the, this is not the classroom, this is the chapel, right? I, and I think the center of your education, right? And we, but we've got something really important going on. So um, we are beginning a new chapter in this university, and we're calling it the Institute for Next Gen. And it correlates throughout all of the majors, okay? If you would, um, take a click of that QR code. This is something that um, w- will benefit all of you. God has put on my heart. There'll be a lot more c- coming that I'm gonna share. Uh, I know most of you in the room don't know who I am, so uh, I've taught here for many, many years, but I was gone for a while, now I'm back. My wife, Jessica, right down here, if you wave at them. She's here, you see us around. Um, but we are coming back uh, full-time to North Central to begin this institute and to begin an emphasis on next-gen. So there's so much. Every major will be involved, but we are really for the resourcing and the education of next-gen leaders. And you're going to see this unfold over the next few years if the Lord tarries, right? Um, and I couldn't be more excited. that This is kind of our – this is kind of uh, – I, I, I've been telling my friends, it's the last thing I want to do on the earth is to prepare next-gen leaders in every major. Specifically, we'll be working with, obviously, the church leadership. But anyway, more coming on that. And to open that up, we're going to be doing, if you would, you're going to go, we're going to have you follow the, the pages and all that on the socials. that They just got live last night. But we have an event coming tomorrow Christy needs to tell you about. All right, so we are having Next Gen Innovation Summit. How many of you have heard about this already? So starting tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock in this chapel, we have people from all over the world that are the absolute top tier people who are innovating and leading in the area of next-gen ministry. So you are all invited to come for free. So we have people flying in from all around the world to learn this content, but as a student in North Central, you get to come to these events. So starting at 9 o'clock tomorrow, now don't skip class unless you talk to your professor, but if your professor is giving you permission to come, Come, and we have things all day. It starts at 9 o'clock, 9 to 10. Dr. Tennyson's going to be sharing some theology behind this stuff. We have people coming who are leaders in the areas of technology and engaging technology and discipleship. We have digital missionaries, people that spend their entire missionary life online witnessing to people. We're going to have people streaming all day um, on, on the Twitch. Is that the right thing? Am I saying that right? Out in the lobby. There's just going to be a ton of stuff going on. And then we have Edgar and Courtney Aguilar from Elevation Worship. They lead the multicultural area of Elevation Worship. They're going to be here leading worship in chapel tomorrow. Um, Elevation is having a hiring and an internship event. You guys are going to be able to find jobs if you're interested. So tomorrow, follow NGIS, hold on, NCU on Instagram, okay? Or look at the NCU Instagram and you'll find more details about that. But we want you to be here tomorrow, okay? So join us tomorrow. Thanks. Thanks, Christy. Good. You can be seated. Uh, while you are, would you go to Joel chapter 2? Joel chapter 2. Um, you'll see a lot of information down here that you can come and get on the 3 by 5 cards, okay, um, to give you more information. Uh, I really believe that one of the most important things that we have missed in this generation is a theology of the Holy Spirit. This... I don't believe there is a more important relationship that you have on this planet than the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, Joel chapter 2. Let me say it again. I don't believe there is a more important relationship that you have on this earth than the Holy Spirit. Can we, get that, can we get that image up there? And I want them to get a picture of this. I want this seared in your conscience. It's not your mom or your dad. It's not your brother or your sister. It's not your auntie or your uncle or your guardian. It's not your grandmother or your grandfather. It's not your bae or your bestie. The most important relationship that you have on this earth right now is the Holy Spirit. I would contend, and I don't have the time to say it, so let me just raise the temperature in the room, but I have a whole, this is a whole nother message that we don't have time for, but I would contend in Jesus' words that the most important relationship that you have on this earth is the Holy Spirit and not even himself. (laughs) So anyway, I'm just going to, Jeff, I'm just going to keep moving on that one and they can wrestle with it or you can cancel me. You can cancel me if you want, okay? But I'm just, anyway, John 14, 15, 16, and Acts chapter 1. So uh, Joel chapter 2. I'm not preaching another gospel, okay? Joel chapter 2. This is an incredible release, a prophetic release of Joel, one of the youngest prophets who prophesied to Israel, by the way, at the time. One of the youngest prophets, and if I don't have the time to read all the way through this, but from verses 1 through verses 27, Joel lists a multitude of things that will happen before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You're all familiar with verse 28, aren't you? Right? After this, look at the words. And it will come to pass after this, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. And on my men servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. Signs and wonders, verse 30, all the way through, right? We've heard that before. But one of the most important words here is this word afterwards or after this. After what? What what did Joel mean when he said, I will pour out my spirit after this? Well, what he was talking about were the first 27 verses. And I'm sure much more than that. But in the context of the scripture, what Joel was saying was, after these things, then I will pour my spirit out. I think we've forgotten about that. What are some of the prerequisites to the Holy Spirit being poured out, right? And again, this is, a, this is another part, a series in this message. But one of those things was repentance. Something we know nothing about today in the American church. Okay, honestly. Something we know very little about in the American church today. As a matter of fact, we probably understand more about the antithesis of repentance than we do the theory and and the theology of repentance. And yet God attaches through Joel's prophecy that after repentance, and many other things, provision, blessing, protection, all these other things that, that are listed there, I think there's seven things that were called out before this. I believe one of the key blocks in your relationship with the Holy Spirit is, re, is a lack of repentance. When you, when you walk in repentance, it, it is like a highlight of his relationship with you because we know that he comes, right? The Holy Spirit comes to convict us of sin, 
right? John chapter 16. There's that whole list of what he comes to do. And so to give you just that background of why John said that in John 16, he said it because Joel said it first. You cannot, hear me, you cannot have a relationship with the Holy Spirit without repentance because that is his initial foundational work in our lives. Then power, right? First repentance, then power. And so I really want you to hear these prophetic words of Joel. After this, then I will do the good stuff, all the other stuff we want, right? All the important stuff, all of the the demonstration stuff. All of the things that we really want to, we want to walk in power, and we want to walk in the miracles and the signs and the what. We want all of that, but we don't have repentance that is the forementioned, the forerunner of this. That's why I say the most important relationship that you have on this earth today is the Holy Spirit. Because if that relationship is right, then every other relationship that you have on this earth will be also Does that make sense? Hear me. You cannot fully know Christ until you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. God the Father we know. Jesus we know. But who is the Holy Spirit? Right, think about it. Go back to when you were taught how to pray or at the table. Father God, we pray, right? We pray all these things, and we close the prayer out, and we say, in Jesus' name. But where is the activity of the Holy Spirit in our prayers? Francis Chan said many years ago in his book on the Holy Spirit, God the Father we know, Jesus we know, but who is the Holy Spirit? Do you know it's his era? Do you know that right now we are living in the age of the Spirit? This is not the apostolic age, okay? There's a whole group of people who say things like, well, the Holy Spirit was for the first century, right? Because it was an apostolic gift. No, 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 no. The Holy Spirit was not an apostolic gift. The Holy Spirit was a messianic gift, which means that it is his moment, the last 2,000 years, has been the age of the Spirit, and we have neglected him. We've been trying to build the church. We've been trying to build, the, if we have been, build the kingdom of God with creativity, modern technology. Listen, I don't want to, Alan, I don't want a next-gen summit tomorrow if we forget the theology of the Holy Spirit. Because then all we go back to is postmodernism and creativity. And we've had enough of humanism. If we don't go forward, if we don't go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit, we don't have innovation. Because the greatest moment of innovation in the history of mankind was Genesis chapter 1. When God said there was nothingness, void, a vacuum. And what happened? God thought it. Jesus spoke it. And who activated it? The Bible says the Holy Spirit was brooding over the face of the deep, and then creation began. The Holy Spirit brooded, then creation. Do you understand this? So if we're trying to move forward in innovation without the present 
powerful relationship that we have with the Holy Spirit is humanism and postmodernism. That's all it is. Some of you are trying to stop your fornication. You're trying to stop your masturbation. You're trying to stop your illicit sexual relationships on your own. How's that working for you? You're trying to stop gossip. You're trying to stop a lifestyle of sin on your own. You might even come to these altars or go to church or go to floor floor devotion. You might even try that. But without a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you have zero power, zero power to overcome any of that. And so we place all of this emphasis on every other relationship that we have on this earth, except for the relationship that frees us to complete liberty. Can I give you a quick history of the Holy Spirit? Can I do that? All the way back to Genesis. We'll call that the creation era. When the Holy Spirit came, brooded, the word picture in the Hebrew is as a mother hand over over, over the eggs, to hatch them, to warm them. Literally, it was the executive, the executive power of the Holy Spirit that began creation. From the thought, the mind of God, to the words of Christ spoken, right through, through the, the, the heart of the Father, and then the, and then the Holy Spirit activating those words. Do you see this? That's the first, the second era of human history. You have creation, and then you would have the law. How many know that the law was put into place through the power of the Holy Spirit also? Do you remember when Moses went up the mountain? Remember that? And what happens? This thundering and this lightning, and and the Holy Spirit descends and gives him these words, the ten words of God. We call them commandments, but literally, the Hebrew is the ten words of God. That's what it says, the ten words of God. And he, he comes down right to the people. And what happens? The Holy Spirit has shown upon him, the Bible says this, that Moses' face was lit. <laughs> Don't you let culture take lit, okay? Right, man, we are lit this week, man. This, we are lit. I'm going to get lit. No, let me tell you something. Moses started lit when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon his life and he brought the, the, the words of God into, into humanity. Then you move forward to the prophets. So we have creation. Y'all with me? Then you have the uh, law. Now you have the prophets. Israel ran from the law. They ran from the commands. They ran from the words of God. And so what did God do? God brings prophets into their life to speak by the power of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel, remember the fire, the, the, the wheel that was above Joel, right? There'll be fire in the heavens. So now the prophets come moved by the Holy Spirit. Moved by the Holy Spirit to bring Israel back to the law. And you know what? That's the same kind of message that we need in America today. To see the Holy Spirit bring the church, to bring our society back to the law. We're okay with civil law, aren't we? But then we, go, we look at Scripture, and only 49% of teenagers 
believe that the scriptures are authoritative word of God. Not even half. And so the prophets came to bring us back to the scriptures. And then you'd have the fourth era in time. Creation, law, prophets, and you have the messianic entry into human history. And you know what happened? Jesus walking the earth, right? Listen, Jesus walking the earth for 30 years. All of a sudden, as he goes by this river where John the Baptist is baptizing, the moment begins, right? You know the story. And Jesus walks by and John says, that's him right there. That's him. The Lamb of God, right? And Jesus walks up and he says, you must baptize me. And John's like, right? Baptize. What happens as Jesus is raised out of the water? What happens? The Holy Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove. Could I say to you that even Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit to produce everything that he did in the kingdom of God the next three years? Oh, wait, 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 what? You mean Jesus needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Yes, well, he was. He, three, Trinity, he, he, of course. Three and one and three, right? But isn't it interesting that his public, now, we know that his private ministry was probably no less powerful. We just don't hear that narrative. But we know that his public ministry began with being filled with, descended upon the Holy Spirit. And thus began the next three years, Jesus' relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit made public. Does this, is this making sense? Why would we, why would we, 2,000 years later, try to de-emphasize our relationship with the Holy Spirit, thinking we can do better than Christ, when he set the example and the model for us that if I'm going to do this, I need his power on my life. The Messianic era was the fourth. The fifth was the apostolic age. And you know what happened in Acts chapter 1 and 2. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit came down. If, if you remember, listen, if you remember Acts chapter 1, Jesus prophesied this. He said, stay here, wait, right? Hello? Jesus said, stay here and wait. I'm leaving, and I've told you this, John 14, 15, and 16, uh, John 8. Multiple times Jesus said, I'm leaving and you're sad. Why are you so sad? Do you remember that? John said, why are you so upset? Because if I don't go, he can't come. He was setting them up in John 14, 15, and 16. As a matter of fact, four times in those three chapters, he used the term helper. Right? He used the term helper for the Holy Spirit. And now in Acts chapter 1, he says, go, wait, right here, stay, I'm gone. And standing in their midst, he was ascended into heaven. Gone like that. And what did they do? Do you remember what they did? They did what we've been doing. They did what we've been doing for 2,000 years. We missed the message. We missed the message. We didn't get it. Because Jesus said, stay, wait, tarry. Today we hurry. He said, tarry. Wait, I'm leaving. He's cut. And he goes, they can see the bottom of his feet as he's ascended. And this is what they do. Oh, oh, 
come on. Ah, John. Ah, come back, come back. Come on, Peter, what's he doing? Peter's like, I don't know. What are we going to do now? Right, they're, st- they're gazing into heaven, looking at the wrong person. I believe Jesus got up to heaven, seated now at the right hand of the Father, because the executive work of the Holy Spirit is being done now. I believe Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father, put his hands on his head, looked at the Father and said, they don't get it. They don't get it. Because yes, there are three chairs in heaven. God the Father seated on center stage. Jesus at the right hand of the Father, and there's another throne on the left-hand side where the Holy Spirit used to be. But he stepped into human history, and he's been walking for 2,000 years trying to get the attention of the church. You want to know why the church is growing globally and not here in America? Because of their relationship with the mysterious, supernatural, present power of the Holy Spirit. And you would think that your generation, Gen Z, you would think that you would get it because every research model says that you are the supernatural generation. Number one show in your lifetime, supernatural. Try to take supernatural out of your culture. You can't do it. Over 55 movies and television shows right now with a supernatural theme. Why? Because it sells to Gen Z. Tell me, is there a better match? Is there a better relationship between Gen Z and God, Gen Z and Christianity than the Holy Spirit because of his supernatural characteristics and nature? It should be the perfect invitation, the perfect relationship between you and Christianity because you cannot, hear me, you cannot remove the supernatural from Christianity or it's, or it's Islam. Will you stand, please, all across this place? That last era that we're in has been 2,000 years. And the only way, hear me, the only way that we are going to complete the mission of God in America today, in the 21st century, is a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You, you have no power outside of that. Paul even said it. I did not come to you with persuasive words. But I came with a demonstration of the Spirit and His power. And we've been trying new websites. We've been trying social media. And listen, I'm not down on social media. My, my closest friends know I'm so done with it. I'm so ready to be over it. I had better, listen, I had greater ministry without social media than I had with it. A greater impact. I, I wish I, I could unpack that too. Multiple reasons why. The social media is not the problem. It revealed the problem. We are the problem. The problem here is that we have zero power. Zero power without a relationship with the Holy Spirit. 
I'm going to ask you in the next couple of minutes, would you just step out where you're at and fill the front of this place as we, as we minister? Listen, come on, right now. This is where we're going to turn this into some worship and prayer right now. I want you to come all across this place. Fill the front of this place. Come on, team. Come on, team. I, I want you right now to just open up your heart to a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Just ask him. Reveal yourself to me. Reveal yourself to me. Come on, that's our prayer right now. That's our prayer right now. I want to know the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I want to know you. Come on. Come on, I want to know you. I want to know you. I don't want to know about you. I want to know you.